Uh, and so it's really easy to work with people who want to get better. I call it my Jerry Maguire rule. Let me help you. We can't individually as physicians, as physical therapists, as providers, or as patients on our own, do it on our own. But together, I think any hurdle is achievable when we're able to focus on what we can do, what I can do, what you can do. And I think that's the best way to approach to getting people better in medicine. So here's the question. How do runners like us remain active, get stronger, and heal from injuries without being told to stop running and create a healthy life for ourselves so we can continue to hit PRs well into our 40s and 50s? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, physical therapist, running coach, and creator of Spark Physical Therapy, where we help active adults be able to run without aches and pains so you can feel good about yourself again. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. All right, welcome and thank you for tuning in to another episode on the Healthy Runner Podcast. And it's Monday, therefore we're adding a Monday night spark to your week as we are live within the Healthy Runner Facebook group with a true expert in the sports medicine field. We have Dr. Gene Techmeister with us today to share his knowledge and expertise on the truth about running and it being bad for your knees. Welcome, Dr. Techmeister. Thanks, Dwayne. I appreciate being on and looking forward to sharing some knowledge and uh, hopefully making a couple of people a little more educated. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this too. So runners, I want to know today, are you wondering, is running bad for your knees? Are you thinking, will I get arthritis from running? So if you have been running for quite some time now, you might be wondering, you know, is all this running that I'm doing, all these uh, PRs, all these races, all these miles, will I develop arthritis? If you're new to running or considering starting to run, we love our beginner runners and you have had knee pain in the past. Are you wondering if you can even safely run if you're not a runner, right? So if you've answered yes to any of these questions, then this needs to be a podcast you need to listen to. So you're going to find out if your parents were telling you the truth about running and it being bad for your knees. So in this episode, Dr. Techmeister is going to share his knowledge and educate us and put an end to the age old question, is running bad for your knees? So we are going to cover, will you get arthritis from running? So Dr. Techmeister, every episode, we get started with our dynamic warm-up. So this is the first question we ask all our guests. So tell us, where are you from and what do you do? Um, hi, everybody, and thanks for having me, Dwayne, for the opportunity to be here. Uh, my pleasure to spend some time talking about how we all can continue to stay um, fit, stay active. Um, as you said, uh, my name is Gene Techmeister. I'm a physiatrist, which is a specialist in physical medicine and rehabilitation, and I also have specialists specialty training and education in sports medicine. Um, currently assistant professor at Tech Medicine of USC, uh, which is based in Los Angeles, California. And prior to joining the Trojan community, um, I had spent six years in private practice taking care of the Connecticut runners and uh, other members of the community. I was a member of the Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center, uh, which was in Trumbull, Connecticut. And that's how me and you uh, were able to connect. Uh, my background in sports medicine actually dates back to my sophomore year in college when I took a class called the Care and Prevention of Athletic Injuries. Uh, I knew I wanted to be a physician entering undergraduate studies um, and then discovered sports medicine with this course. I went on to become an athletic trainer working with the Binghamton University of Division I Athletics uh, before starting med school. 
And then once I graduated, I've set a path for sports medicine uh, that included working with all types of athletes of all ages, everything from AAU basketball prospects to little leaguers to Olympians uh, to professional athletes. And I love it all. Uh, it's my pleasure and honor to share some knowledge and experiences with you guys today. Oh, that's great. And I know, so Gene and I did meet in Connecticut, as you mentioned, and I've always, um, I've attended a couple of his talks, his workshops that he's done, and Gene's got a tremendous amount of knowledge. So I am very grateful, honestly, to have you on the show. So thank you for coming on uh, tonight. I think this is going to be a really uh, well-listened and well-received episode. So I know you had, um, I know yourself, you are an avid cyclist primarily, but um, what do you like to, or why do you like to stay active or why do you like to work with the running community? Um, I wouldn't classify myself as just a cyclist, really, uh, although I've been having a tremendous amount of passion for the sport for many, many years. Um, I actually started out as an old-fashioned gym goer. I picked things up and put them down with a little bit of part-time running uh, many, many years ago. And then I actually had a hip injury and I needed to find a way to stay active, not including running. Um, and that's where cycling came in. It was during my fellowship, which was done at York, Pennsylvania. And my mentor, who was an avid cyclist, uh, was the one who introduced me to the sport. As I needed to find a way to maintain being active, I discovered cycling, especially on the quiet rural roads of Lancaster County. Um, it was beautiful out there. It was quiet. It was serene. It was just a great, great place to cycle. The scenery in the fall with the leaves. Um, and then eventually I transitioned into triathlons um, when I was able to return to running. Um, and I, even though I don't compete anymore, I did several races per year. Um, not the biggest fan of swimming, so I still do some running and cycling. Um, but today my focus has really shifted to weightlifting and high intensity interval training. Um, I just recently received my weightlifting certification um, and then wow. CrossFit type of movements and um, activities. And the transition really occurred as I realized the need for accessory strength training during my racing years. Um, I currently incorporate a run and running into my weekly routine, especially as a way to break up some uh, monostructural movements. Uh, I still cycle two to three times a week if I can. Being in California, that has transitioned to two to three times a week just because it's pretty much nice year round. Um, and while I don't, again, compete anymore, I still like to stay active. Um, I most enjoy working with the active community of runners, cyclists, anyone trying to be better, be fitter um, for whatever goal it is that you set to stay active. Uh, what I do find extremely rewarding as a sports medicine specialist is seeing my patients return to sport or any activity for that matter they could have not performed prior to an injury. Now they can do once again, whether that is running, whether that is cycling, whether that is just being able to walk or have fun with your grandkids. I just really like seeing people get back to doing those things. It's more just very thankful uh, for being able to do all those things. Uh, and so it's also really easy to work with people who want to get better. I call it my Jerry Maguire rule. Let me help you. We can't individually as physicians, as physical therapists, as providers, or as patients on our own, do it on our own. But together, I think any hurdle is achievable when we're able to focus on what we can do, what I can do, what you can do. And I think that's the best way to approach to getting people better in medicine. Nice, nice. Oh, I love that. So not only are you the first physiatrist that we've had on the Healthy Runner podcast, but that is the first Jerry Maguire quote that we've had on the podcast. So thank you for that. I love it. So let's get started here. So my first question um, for you, Gene, is... 
is running bad for your joints? Is running actually bad for your knees? So I'm going to actually spoil everything in the rest of the podcast. But first off, let's start by stating the obvious. Evidence-based sports medicine studies and science agree that long-distance running at recreational volumes and intensities does not increase the risk of developing knee osteoarthritis. The notion that running destroys and ruins the knees is widespread. It's entrenched in our communities. Almost anyone who's runs is familiar with warnings from well-meaning, non-running family members, friends, and strangers that their knees are doomed. While running involves substantial joint loading, this does not lead to damage. Balance between stress, recovery, and remodeling is well-optimized in our body tissues. Our bodies adapt to that stress, and it's this combination of this adaptation and our ability to recover is a major reason why running is, wait for it, actually good for your knees, as long as you don't overdo it. You can think of it as cartilage conditioning. Like we work out muscles, we work out our bodies. We can condition our body to provide that stress relief and not being able to be injured by those things. Another important factor is genetics. While certainly some people are more likely to develop osteoarthritis, running at moderate distances recreational is actually protective. This is not only true in regards to the meniscus and cartilage damage, as recent studies have showed, but also to bone health, especially in the aging population. So why don't most runners get arthritis? Well, it's a study that was done actually at a department of mechanical engineering that shows us that peak per distant loads don't vary between running and walking. What that means is compared to walking, the relatively short duration of ground contact and relatively long length of strides in running seem to blunt the effects of high peak joint loads, such as the unit per distance loads are no higher than walking. So what that means is you run, you have a significant short loading, but that occurs for much less period of time than walking, thereby in the end, that joint load is pretty much the same. And how do we know this? Well, there was a study that was done as a review, and it's called the Association of Recreational Competitive Running with Hip and Knee Osteoarthritis. It was a review and analysis that studied 114,000 individuals. The arthritis rates in competitive runners was 13.3%. And competitive runners, they defined as 100 miles a week of training. That is a ton, a ton of running. So if you're not competing at a ultra marathon, marathon world record, potential breaking pace, that's not you. In recreational runners, that number is 3.5%. And in the regular controls who don't run, it's 10.2%. So what does that mean? That means if you don't run, your chances of getting arthritis is one in 10. If you do run recreationally, as long as you don't overdo it, your risk of arthritis is three in a hundred. Now what's, so you can, take out that numbers and look at it differently, essentially you're minimizing your risk of arthritis by three if you run recreationally. And again, this is making sure it all depends on load and intensities and things like that. So recreational runners have a lower occurrence of osteoarthritis compared with competitive runners and controls. These results also indicate that a more sedentary lifestyle or long exposure to high volume and high intensity running are both associated with both hip and knee osteoarthritis. So now that we've got that out of the way, we can spend hours talking about how running in any activity is beneficial to the body. Exercise is medicine. 
You can choose to run to lower blood sugar, cardiovascular risk, cholesterol, or you can take a pill. I find running is easier and a lot more fun. It gives one the sense of accomplishment, not to mention the mental health benefits of exercise. Not just the chemical endorphins that are released, but the ability to go out for a run, to clear your head, to think. It's not unique to me or most runners, whatever reason you choose to run. It's sometimes the reason people go for a run, but whatever the reason, as long as you run, as long as you take precautions, and we'll talk about some of those later, us running is actually protective against osteoarthritis based on large volume studies. Wow. So, wow. So many, <laughs> so many knowledge drops in there. Yeah. I, I feel like I need to try to summarize. I'm not going to remember everything you said, nope, but, but we'll a, couple go of take homes, a couple of take-homes was that running actually loads the cartilage and helps actually remodel cartilage. Just like if you guys think about if you go to the gym, you strength train, you remodel muscles, right? We kind of break down muscles in order for them to get stronger, in order for them to hypertrophy, get bigger. Same thing can be said for cartilage in that we are loading our joints and we're actually stimulating a little bit of that remodeling as well as Dr. Techmeister talked about bone health too, right? So as we're aging, especially our female runners out there, right? So you guys really need to pay particular attention as you age to your bone health. So I, I like that you brought up the bone health point as well, um, as far as Absolutely. it being somewhat protective in a, it's a weight bearing activity. And the other uh, take home is, I actually didn't know that. So that was that was pretty staggering statistics there. And that's a large scale study, guys. So as you could tell, Dr. Techmeister knows his research here. This is what he does. He educates other physicians, other practitioners. Um, he does evidence-based. So he, he knows the literature here. And actually, this is, I, I probably should mention this, um, how we actually came upon this episode was Dr. Techmeister has been in our community for a while now. And he was nice enough to actually drop like three or four, I remember, references someone actually asked a question about running being bad for your knees and Dr. Techmeister like put the articles, the links and everything in there. And I was like, wow, thank you so much. And I appreciate that. And I said, I'm sure there are others that would love to learn about this topic. So that's why we're here today. And so you said basically running decreases your risk of developing arthritis by threefold. Is that correct? Essentially, yes. If you look at the statistic, okay. basically it, the relative risk may be a little bit different and it's just a statistics way of calculating things. Um, but it's to summarize it. Yes. You can think of recreational running as reducing your risk of arthritis compared to a control that doesn't run essentially by a factor of three. Thank you for the clarification. So this is a question. I don't want to lose it because I might, and we don't need to address it now, but David does have a question, uh, Gene. I think this is a good one because I feel like there are going to be many folks in this situation who maybe had a meniscal tear and they had a meniscectomy, they had a knee scope. So David says with maybe 30% of cartilage removed from one portion of my knee, is my knee doomed? Um, question mark. So just keep that in the back of your mind if you want to kind of get to that at a, at a later point. But I have a feeling there's other runners who have had surgery in the past and maybe thinking the same thing. So let's get into if I've had knee pain. So we know knee pain is the most common running related injury. And we've done some deep dive episodes on the podcast before about runner's knee, telephomoral pain syndrome, as well as iliotibial band syndrome. So if you guys are new to the podcast, check out those episodes, those previous episodes on those topics. But let's say 
I was someone who had knee pain in the past, whether it was patellofemoral pain, whether it was a previous uh, traumatic injury, maybe a sports related injury, right back in high school, back in college. And let's say you're not a runner. Can we still run Gene? Uh, absolutely. Um, the simple answer is of course, if you're not a runner and you've had pain in the past and you want to get back into running or start running, I think it's one of the most important factors to consider is what the injury was, what's the likelihood of re-injury and consider combine that with your previous injury history and work to address those weaknesses that may be responsible for the chance for any overuse injury whether or an acute injury. We know that the main running related musculoskeletal injuries are shin splints, which is medial tibial stress syndrome. That's about 10% of injuries. Achilles tendinopathy, which is about 10% of injuries. Plantar fasciitis and, plant and patellofemoral syndrome, both around 10 to 15%. So we have 50% of our injuries occur um, knee and below essentially. And if you know what your injury was, you know what the limitations are, you know what the most common injury of running is, then you can create a program in order to condition, in order to strengthen, to address those weaknesses or inadequacies, if you will, in order to be protecting yourself against any future injury. I think that you have to be, be a little bit more careful and be uh, cognizant of some of those things, but by no means does that mean you can't run? You know, hip adduction weakness may be associated with iliotibial band syndrome, for example. So if you have an imbalances between the inner and the outer portion of your thigh and you tend to get lateral pain, well, maybe lateral pain, and I'm sure you've talked about this before, which is IT band syndrome, doesn't necessarily mean it's coming from the knee. The addressing the underlying biomechanical inefficiencies and inequalities can really help to address any previous injury history. Um, you know, while knee and ankle injuries do account for over half the running injuries, you know, more than 70% sometimes, depending on the studies you read, occur outside the knee, you know, shank, ankle, foot, hip, thigh. Uh, I had a hip injury. It was a internal impingement with a small labral tear and things like that. So it's important to understand how those running mechanics play in pre injury prevention. And then you're talking about shoes and training protocols, important resistance training, and a lot of other things that, uh, you know, we probably going to be talking about or you have talked about in the past. Yeah. And I didn't even know we had that in common, Gene. So I, I also had a labral tear and I mm -hmm. did have a loose body in my hip and I did have a scope done. Uh, did you have surgery for yours? I did not. I you did not? wasn't sure what it was. It was in the middle of fellowship. When I figured it out, I couldn't take that time off. So I just, the thing that made it worse was running and hip hiking. I used to click and I stopped running and eventually kind of got better and it still hurts and I can't run for more than maybe, you know, two hours or so. I've never run more than a half marathon, you know, half Ironman, but if I do that, it's going to hurt. So I stick to shorter distances, maybe, you know, five, six miles here and there. And uh, I just don't run the volumes that I used to. Interesting. And it doesn't hurt at all with cycling and or doing your CrossFit weightlifting. No, it's actually uh, cycling doesn't bother at all. And weightlifting is protective because what am I doing? I'm strengthening my glutes. I'm straining my hamstrings. I'm strengthening my quads. If we have stronger muscles that brace a joint, that joint is going to feel less pain. Um, that's also out of an Australian study from years ago. Uh, it was looking at uh, peak performance strength and people with more strength that cross that joint have lower pain scores, almost like a natural brace, if you will. 
and I see a lot of spine patients and I tell them, you want to wear the brace? Why don't you make a brace? Use your own natural muscles to create a natural brace. You know, it doesn't have to be strong. All the muscles that support our joints have to be fatigue resistant. They have to be uh, trained in endurance because you're not going to lift a lot of weights with your back if you're training you know, for lower back injuries or you're not going to need to lift a lot of weights with your quads or your hamstrings unless you're weightlifting. But if you work on fatigue resistance of those muscles that cross that joint and you can provide support, then you're going to have less pain. Yeah. And we're going to have some runners listening to this um, who are probably listening to this on the podcast during a run and they're and they're out there running and they're like, well, I just run. So what are your recommendations for a healthy runner community that exclusively run for their form of exercise? Um, exclusively would maybe be the issue. Um, you know, let's get real. Running is monostructural, meaning it's a single axis, single vector, minimal multiple muscle use activity. Walking is a passive activity, essentially, right? You just fall forward and you catch yourself. Running is an active process, but it's in one direction. You're using the same muscles over and over and over again, which predisposes you to uh, overuse injuries, which is how you get them. So let's take a look at some of the greatest athletes of our time. You know, there were multi-sport athletes. Overuse injuries are most common by far in running uh, and by cross-training, by performing the accessory strengthening, you can potentially avoid certain overuse injuries. And just like life, it's all about balance. Balance. Your fitness needs balance. Uh, I had anterior hip pain like we talked about, um, but I recognized it was a hip flexor issue combined with uh, underlying cartilage issue. Um, and it was probably because of some inadequate glute strength. When you run, as, uh, especially for a long period of time, we tend to collapse and kind of lean forward a little bit. And you get a lot of hip flexor tightness. And what's going to create that extension? You're going to lower back peristomondyls, your glutes. Um, and I think if you create that balance, not to treat the pain, but the underlying cause, the root cause, that's what it comes down to. Anterior, posterior, and midline, it's all important. You know, if I told you there was a way to get faster without actually having to run faster, would you want to give it a try? And I think most will. That's how accessory strengthening and cross-training works. It works by creating endurance, fatigue, resistance in the muscles that help support your body while you run. So you have more energy to use for the muscles that actually propelled you forward. Most people that enjoy one or two sports, such as running or cycling, and don't do enough accessory work have difficulty starting such a program. But once they do, the benefits are you know, almost seen immediately. Um, and then you know, if you want to look at training, you know, if you're training to, let's say, half marathon, there's no reason to actually run 13.1 miles prior to the date of the race. If you do moderate distance work, incorporating interval training, accessory work, you should be able to improve your half marathon time or run a competitive time without ever having to run 13.1 miles before a race. We know based on exercise physiology studies that intensity plays a vital role in capacity, increases how we do a particular exercise. So we can improve our conditioning without having to spend a great deal of time on conditioning. And it's like in the cycle world, a lot of amateur and professionals always talk about how the easy rides are not easy enough and how the hard ones aren't hard enough. When they talk about kind of people who are just starting out. So what that means is it's much more important to be really, really intense for a short period of time in certain training sessions, but also dialing in way down in those recovery days. What also heard makes a lot of sense is, is you train above race pace, but you race at train pace. So the problem is you can't train at race pace every day, but you can train above race pace certain times a week without making those recovery with making those recovery runs a lot more important. So I think it's a combination and kind of summarize a lot of what I just talked about is it's just balance. 
Wow. Yes. Great. And, and that is, I, I refer to it as we have to train in order to run, not run as our form of training. And I think so many want to get fit or they want to get in shape. They want to get healthy and they say, I'm going to take up running. And then that's all they do is they, they run. And I think you highlighted the importance and the benefits of training in order to run and really setting your body up for success in varying those types of training, right? Doing the strength training in order to run and doing, you know, different types of runs. And we did a podcast episode on that on like three different types of runs and, you know, making sure you're having a slow run and making sure that you're doing some speed work and you have to build up that base training first before you add speed work. And so everything I, I just love for those of you listening on the podcast, you might need to go on our spark your training YouTube channel and watch the video because as Gene was talking, I had like this grin on my face because it is, it is everything that I've been, uh, you know, preaching to you guys in all the previous episodes. And he just says it a lot better than I do, honestly. Uh, so thank you. I, I think you brought up some really, really great points. I think it's just what I've learned. You know, I have the added advantage of having gone to medical school. I was an athletic trainer. So I'm 39 years old, but I've been in sports medicine. So I was 18 working with athletes. Essentially, I was a walk-on athlete for baseball. Didn't really make it after that. And that's how I how I became an athletic trainer. So just about sort of luckily having the educational background and luckily having an interest in fitness and sport kind of married those two together and able to understand the evidence behind it. Uh, I think a lot of what gets preached out there is dogma, right? It's like, it's just the way it's been done. And that's where people have these old wives tales Oh, running is bad for your knees. Well, if you look at the evidence and looking at science, I know is not the popular thing nowadays, but if you actually look at the science, uh, it shows you a completely different story than what most people believe. And if you really do the research, and again, I'm in a unique position where I can find that research. I have access to the libraries of you know USC that allows me to get access to all these articles and I can kind of filter through and realize which ones are good, which ones are not. And a lot of it is also how I used to train it's yeah you do you know five by eights and you do four by fives and you do five by you know whatever distance you want to do but speed work speed work speed work and then you take a day you do a long recovery run or ride or whatever it is um, you know you do some hard intervals you get better and then you do some strain training so you're less fatigued at the end of the day and I'm like hey this stuff actually works so you look it up online and try the training and you know the physiology behind it and I'm like oh wow i you know beat my pr by you know x amount or whatever it is and even now i still do that you know it's like when i go cycling there some i don't cycle as much anymore but i'll go out and just have a ride on saturdays for fun other days i'm let's go do hill repeats or something you know just stay in that cycling shape get my legs back and and the other days I squat and deadlift and do a lot of other high intensity interval stuff so I can be able to throw my daughter in the air who's a 40 pound three-year-old. Um, I just want to stay fit for her because she likes to cycle just as much as I do in her little Strider balance bike and Flintstone it with her little feet going, go, 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 go. So I just want to stay with, stay when I catch up with her someday. Yeah, well, cherish those days, man. They fly by <laughs> quick. Oh my goodness. We were just looking at some 
pictures of my daughters when they were younger. You know, those, that's the, the one thing I love about Facebook is the Facebook memories when they pop up. And when you start seeing them, you know, seven, eight years later, and when my daughter is your daughter's age, I just saw a picture of a Dr. Techmeister's daughter um, before. And yeah, the time flies. I got like a ninth grader now who's doing high school volleyball. So it, but those moments, like you said, like biking with her, like today I was actually hitting, you know, we were peppering in the backyard. We were doing some volleyball and yeah, that, that time is uh, we cherish those moments. And like you said, we want to stay active, right? We want to be there for our kids. We want to stay active with them and, you know, not they're going ahead of us and we're like hobbling along and can't keep up with them. So yeah, that's our goal. I think that's our goal in our healthy runner community. So you did some myth busting here. You did talk about that running is not bad for your knees. Running will not cause arthritis, but how about if I'm a runner and I've been told that I have some arthritic changes, maybe I went to the doctor, they took an x-ray, they might have said I have the knee of a 90 year old, or I'm starting to get some arthritic changes in my knee. Um, what are some of the best treatments out there to help preserve my knee joint, or maybe prevent me from undergoing a total knee replacement? Knee arthritis um, is not typically diagnosed until it's really symptomatic. And it's generally no, unknown how or if that natural history, whether it's radiographic, what it looks like, or if it's symptomatic, what it feels like, um, how those two are related. You know, if you are having knee pain and you got a radiographic film and it said, oh, you have arthritis, you need to stop running kind of thing. Well, making sure that it's the arthritis that's causing the symptoms is paramount. Just because it looks like something on the x-ray, it doesn't mean it is that that is causing you pain. There's a lot of mimickers in the knee when you talk about arthritis or there's IT band and patellofemoral syndrome and quite a few other syndromes that are not necessarily related to arthritis. And just because it looks that way on the x-ray or in the MRI, you just have to remind yourself that we as physicians, as physical therapists, as um, providers don't treat radiographs, we treat patients. So be really in tune to where that pain source is coming from. Um, and then when treating patients that have pain due to arthritis or pain in general, it's important to note um, that treatment plan has to be individualized. You know, is the symptoms based on their activity or is there something else that may be going on? You know, as physicians, we try to do the minimum necessary in order to provide the maximum benefit. And that's especially true in the field of sports medicine, where you start with simple things. You know, you start out with medication, activity modification, physical therapy. And once those are maximized, if there's still pain, then we tend to be a bit more aggressive using injection therapies or at the last resort when things uh, do fail is knee replacement being the last, uh, very last step. Um, Again, a lot of the things that we talked about, right? And so strengthening the conditioning, the accessory work. If you have some pain, try to make sure that it is the arthritic type of pain and look at other sources, you know, shoes, running style, training. There's so many reasons for having pain, not just arthritis. And I think that somebody putting up an x-ray saying, oh, you have arthritis in your knee, that's why you have pain, isn't always true. And finding a qualified, educated, experienced, uh, evaluator is utmost importance. Yeah. And I think one of the, the questions that I often get, I'm sure you do as well, is, you know, does everyone need an x-ray or an MRI? I still get, you know, um, patients all the time that say, well, how can you diagnose me without me getting an MRI? What are, <laughs> I'm sure you get that same question. What, what are your, 
what are your what's your response to that question um again we treat patients not mris or x-rays uh, you really have to get the test that's going to help you decide what the next treatment is. If somebody comes into my office that's on the younger side and has anterior knee pain, it is unlikely that it's an arthritic or bone degeneration issue. It's more likely it's soft tissue, whether it be patellofemoral, patellar tendinopathy, IT band, or whatever the case may be. Uh, but you have to match the symptoms. Now, is that x-ray going to make me do anything different? Is that MRI gonna change what I do or how I approach that patient? That's what the MRI and then the X-ray are good for. It's not a screening tool. You, you know, there's a study for low back pain, which is a lot more common than knee pain in the population. And this was done in the 80s. And they found that 60% of our individuals that are in their mid thirties have abnormalities in MRI without pain. So if you have a hundred patients that come in and get an MRI for their back, you know, 60 of them are gonna have something on there that means absolutely nothing because they have no pain and you have to correlate those things. And it's really important just to educate people. And so, unfortunately, some physicians don't really educate. They don't have the time to take out of their day to tell patients like, listen, I don't think it's a bone. X-ray is not going to tell me anything. We're not going to change the treatment plan. This is what it is. And this is what the next step is. If that doesn't work and we need to do a study that can maybe change or alter our approach, then maybe that x-ray and MRI would be useful, but it's not where the diagnosis is from. It's helpful, but it's not where the diagnosis comes from. Thank you for that clarification. I love it. I love it. And from what I got out as far as treatment for arthritis is Gene's really talking about that surgery is the last resort, last resort, and then even injections at that point. And he's really talking about more conservative treatment, things that you can do on your own thing, exercises, strengthening, building up the resiliency in those tissues, in your body, in your muscles can be the treatment that you need. And I, I think we, or some folks, you know, have the mindset of, I want the quick fix. I want the pill. I want the injection to take away my pain and cure my condition. And sometimes it, right. It's really just like put the work in for the specific and get down to the root cause of why you're having that pain. Is that correct, Gene? Correct. Absolutely. If you find the root cause of it, then absolutely. There may not be a need to try the invasive stuff. Uh, granted, I, you know, there are some things that we can do if the simple things don't work as far as from an injection standpoint to help regenerate cartilage and some other treatment methods to reduce pain. But in my practice, and as I have been taught, and as I try to preach, and as you see most of the physicians and science goes behind us, you try the easy things first. You know, for us as physicians, the easy thing is the injections. For you, it's the, uh, as a patient who has pain that's seeing one of us, it's the, the easy thing is the exercise, the injection, the medication, that's a, that's a lifelong commitment that may be not necessarily beneficial. But if you also look at the science behind it, physical therapy, strengthening, train, changing your training regimen, changing your shoes is a lot more effective in reducing symptoms and treating pain. And I think this might be a, a good point to talk about David's question from earlier that he was talking about 30% uh, um, worn away cartilage or removed. So if someone's had some, you know, knee scopes, arthroscopies of their knee, mm -hmm. and they've removed cartilage, um, what advice do you have for David? And I, I think he's kind of alluding to the fact of, you know, it, it, am I doomed? 
Um. <laughs> no, David is not doomed. Um, you know, biomechanics, stability, um, technique, and accessory work are absolutely vital. You know, you throw in mobility and flexibility. And if you notice, I didn't mention running. Uh, many people feel like they can just run, but to avoid injury and to be successful in achieving personal goals or just be able to continue to run after an injury, there's a lot of work, more work that needs to be done. Um, and then mobility and flexibility are not the same things either. You know, appropriate treatment uh, of the initial condition, surgery technique, postoperative rehab course, that all is important in playing a role in what the next step is. You know, unfortunately, those that have a meniscectomy do have altered mechanics than those that have a meniscal repair. And I think the newer science behind making sure that we try to repair versus remove, um, because when you remove it, then you have um, concentrate high forces and some of the other compartments, which can, um, you know, lead to further degradation. But just having surgery in the past, as long as you put in the work and the effort in order to do the things that we talked about, you know, the strength training, the accessory work, the appropriate training regimen, approaching appropriate schedule and things like that. Um, there's no reason why you can't continue to run. And if other means are necessary in order to help you uh, run, you know, whether that's uh, some medication or topical agent or an injection, then those certainly can be considered. But there's no reason to stop what you're doing is just because you have a history of surgery or anything like that. No, that's great. And I think really keys there that you mentioned is really activity modification that you don't need to stop, David, um, mm -hmm. but you need to modify and you need to find Correct. the right amount of load that's right for your knee. And that's where like uh, Gene talked about working with like a really good running coach that can kind of put you on a program and be able to modify your training and your program to see like what your body can tolerate because it's not going to be as cookie cutter and just like getting a generic plan and, and trying one plan and then trying another. Um, I think there's going to be some trial and error to kind of finding that sweet spot that your body can tolerate how much load it can tolerate without getting a flare up of your pain and without getting swelling. Um, so those are great. And I think this is actually a good point to bring up. We did get a, um, a, a question in advance from one of our listeners, Maxine, who was wondering about any joint supplements that you possibly would recommend. And if you can shed any light into joint supplements, and then would those be beneficial for patellofemoral pain syndrome or runner's knee? So at this point in time, there really is no evidence to show any of those supplements are actually beneficial, unfortunately. Um, the one thing that can help if you do have pain or if you're dealing with some symptoms is turmeric. There is some studies that turmeric is actually a pretty potent anti-inflammatory. And while patellofemoral and IT band and other things are not really inflammatory problems, turmeric as a natural substrate can actually help minimize some symptoms. Um, the important thing to note, or what I would love to see is people take all those vitamin money and put that into a good coach. Uh, even for recreational runners, I can't understate how important that is. Uh, for personal experience, when I was doing triathlons, I was a decent runner. I was a pretty good cyclist, but I was a horrendous, horrendous swimmer. My half mile time when I did my first race was like 37 minutes or something. It was just absolutely atrocious. I got our coach once a week in my three day a week swimming um, program. And I was able to drop my um, half mile time by seven minutes. So by the time my la one of my last races 
uh, I think I, my best time was under 30 minutes. And it's all about mechanics. Like so much correction was made by the way that my arm went through the water, where my hips are, how I kick, just these little things that as a recreational swimmer, I never knew. And it got so much better, even though I was just doing it for fun. So I think mechanics are significantly underrated. And I can't understate the fact that most people would benefit from a coach echoing what you just said, Dwayne. And I'd rather see some of that supplement money go into a training plan. Oh, yeah, that's such a great point, right? I, we're so quick and easy to order those online supplements and, you know, stock up on those and get the latest fad. But you're right. I think, you know, the the kind of large rocks, so to speak, uh, the things that are going to really uh, move the dial are going to be that training and the amount of load. So great points there. Uh, Maxine, hopefully that answers your question um, in regard to joint supplementation. So now, Gene, you had mentioned before, I think you were rubbing it in a little bit that you were sub 40 years old, that you're younger than me. I think that was a little big uh, because I'm over 40. <laughs> 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 so if if I'm a master runner, and for those that don't know, it is any of us listening who are over the age of 40, um, what tips do you have for us aging runners so we can continue to do what we love and stay healthy as we age? Uh, you know, as a master's athlete, and I'm not that far away, I'm going to be 40 <laughs> soon. So um, I felt that change already. Um, you know, as a master's athlete, any athlete, you can't really over-specialize. If you want to continue to run or perform any level of sport, the focus should be on accessory and resistance training, appropriate recovery and mobility. You know, as we get older, um, and like, you know, I'll be a master's athlete this year. So, you know, we need to focus on shift from the primary sport to accessory work. As we age, we tend to lose our high-end intensity and there's a decline in the maximum heart rate. So strength training, however, can still supply gains for people well into their 70s. What I mean by that is, um, as we age, there tends to be an increased role for strain training, not only to lose muscle mass, but even building mass. We lose probably 1% of muscle mass per year in a sedentary role, but we can completely reverse that to actually gain muscle mass. It's very hard to get faster as a runner as we age. However, our bodies do retain the ability to gain strength. It's vital, especially for the aging athlete, to incorporate strength and mobility to their routine, adequate recovery, rest, is also vital it, that you know as we age the ability to recover deteriorates so making that a bigger point of contention is important uh, i know i've noticed an extra day sometimes after a hard ride or workout whereas five years ago it would have been just back on the bike the day after you know longevity and running and cycling and most other sports is maintained by just appropriate recovery and balance training nice and i really i I can't stress that enough, rest and recovery and moderation. And I, I think you bring up some great points that we don't necessarily need to stop as we age, but we just need to find, we need to basically train smarter, essentially when it comes down to, right? Is kind of training smarter and doing the things we need to do for our bodies and take care of our bodies, right? Then when we were, when we were younger, like let's all be honest here. 
when we were in our 20s, we were not thinking about any of this. We were just going hard, right? As hard as possible. Um, I think about my first year running, like literally every run was as fast as possible. I just going out hard, trying to get a good workout in each time I went out. And that's a lot of the injured runners that I see is it's training errors. It's they are going out and it's just because we don't know. Right. We don't know that there are different types of runs to do on different days and there is rest and recovery. That's important, um, especially, you know, it, it seems that it's been popular to do these run streaks. Um, last couple of years, I've seen many people and many people getting injured doing run streaks um, because, you know, the body does need to recover at some point. No, you're absolutely right. It's especially true when you get a little bit older. Uh, I've been racing with a heart rate monitor for many, many years, and I could tell my heart rate, max heart rate is going down, 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 and I can't put out those same intensities. How about those who are returning to sport or running after a knee injury or surgery? Uh, I think it's a post-operative horse and appropriate training and physical therapy and just taking the time to understand where the failure point is. So you've had surgery. So obviously you have a change in mechanics. You've had a change in the way your body responds. And it's about building up that what's called proprioception, which is where your body is in space. And that's done by a little organ inside your muscle called the Golgi tendon organ. That stress reflex is so vital in knowing where your body is, because if you don't have the proper mechanics, your muscles are not going to be activated appropriately. And it's um, something called sequential motor control, which is very, very important when you're doing post-op rehab and surgical rehab, is you really want to get back to an efficient and appropriately activating balance of the muscles. And once you do have surgery, once you do have an injury, people tend to not focus on that recovery. They're like, oh, I don't have any pain. I'm fine. Uh, but that's not necessarily true because there's a lot of underlying factors that go into being susceptible to a future injury, especially after the past injury. All right. So Gene, we are in the final stretch here. So if you could change one thing about the misconception of running and it being bad for your knees, what would that be? I think it's just a, a lot of dogma in medicine or in the world, the old wives' tales. I just wish for clear evidence-based statements and guidelines and less of, well, that's the way it's been or that's the way it is. People talk about all those things all the time, but I just wish science would take a front seat role. Yeah. So I, I think for, for those of you who are just jumping on here now and you, and you haven't listened from the beginning, I'm just going to add a little quick recap. Dr. Techmeister just dropped a bunch of knowledge for us tonight. He talked about the truth about running and it being bad for your knees. We uh, said, is running bad for your joints? Um, is it actually bad for your knees? Will continuing to run cause me pain? And will we develop arthritis? So we talked about that. Um, if we've had knee pain in the past and we don't consider ourselves a runner, can we still run? Dr. Techmeister says, yes, we can still run. But he did talk about the importance of cross-training, the importance of non-specialization, the importance of doing multiple sports. We talked about swimming. We talked about cycling. Um, I know there are a lot of triathletes who listen to this podcast and are part of our Facebook community um, who would agree with you. Um, we, we actually even got in some treatments for knee arthritis, um, whether it's physical therapy treatments, strengthening, exercise, um, and 
in the last, last resort, those injections and those surgeries. Uh, we also gave some tips for aging runners um, with regard to moderation, training, rest and recovery. So that's super important. And then as well as uh, returning to running um, after a knee injury or surgery. So I'm sure there are going to be many runners who learned something today, uh, Gene, and would like to learn more. How can they learn more or find out more about your practice? Well, Google is a good way to start. I know if you Google me, you'll get my website, which is uh, southbayspinedoc.com. Um, and then I do post some educational material. It's in the infancy I just started. So keep an eye out. Um, there's a couple of blog posts up there now. And you can also reach out through the website if you need to want to get in touch with me. On Instagram, it's at, at Dr. Gene Techmeister or Twitter is at G Techmeister. And keep an eye out on uh, updates if you want to go ahead and follow me in those two sources. I'll be um, hopefully increasing the content that's available, not just focusing on, focusing on runner or knees, but um, spine health and overall uh, in educational material about how to stay fit and active. And um, that's pretty much the best way. Well, as you guys can see, Dr. Techmeister is a wealth of information. Um, I learn, I love listening to him uh, talk, especially if you're a clinician or you are a practitioner of any sort, or you just like geeking out on, you know, some evidence-based content. I'm sure you are loving like when you said Golgi tendon organ, it just like brought me back. Uh, yeah, so it brought me back. So I think there's going to be many uh, who did enjoy this. And if you guys did enjoy this talk, please hit that like, hit the love button for our Facebook community, just to show Dr. Techmeister that we appreciate his time and some of his expertise sharing it with our community. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, please share this episode with a friend to help them if they have knee pain or they're afraid to run because they think it's going to wreck their knees. Or if you want to send it to like your mom, who's been yelling at you, like, why are you going out for a run? You're going to ruin your knees. Then have her listen to this episode as well. Uh, so thank you again, uh, Gene, for really taking the time to educate us. Um, I, I know you're a busy guy and I appreciate you being on the show. Um, thank you, Dwayne, for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And this was a lot of fun. I did some research leading up to this. And I actually learned some new things to make sure that I'm prepared and give you guys the best information and the most up to date data that I can. And I hope I provided some good education to the listeners. Um, so you could just keep running, staying active. You know, as the first law of motion states, a body at rest will remain at rest and the body in motion will remain in motion. And I hope you all continue to stay in motion. Yes. Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. Yes. And I could tell that you definitely prepared. So I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you keeping us up to date with the latest research that is out there. So thank you all for those that jumped on the Facebook live. If you listen on the podcast or you caught this on the replay on the Spark Your Training YouTube channel. Uh, remember every Monday night we go live at 8 p.m. within our Healthy Runner Facebook community. So keep us in mind your schedule so you can get your running questions answered. Thank you again. And remember, stay active, stay healthy, and just keep running. Until next time. Hey, wait a minute. Just to let you guys know, much of what you heard on this episode is delivered live within our Healthy Runner free Facebook group. So head over to there to request to join our community in which you will have access to the video version of this episode and so many bonus features, including blog article references and YouTube video links, as well as me answering your specific running related questions. Also, we are closing in on 50 reviews on iTunes, which I am super pumped about given we're only six months into this podcast journey together. So to help me get there, the first thing you need to do is you have to subscribe to the sucker, whether 
it is Apple iTunes that you're listening to this or whatever platform you are on. The next thing is make sure you leave a review. I love to hear what you have to say and I read all of them and it means a lot to me. The last thing, guys, is take a screenshot of whatever episode you're listening to and put it on your stories on Instagram and tag me. That's at SparkYourTraining. If you do this, I will repost it so you'll get a bump, I'll get a bump, and most importantly, we will share this information with a lot more runners because that is the goal, guys. We want to get this information in front of as many runners as possible to help them be healthy and stay on the road doing what they love. So take a screenshot. Share it on Instagram stories and tag me in it. Let's try and get to 50 reviews on the podcast. Thanks for listening.